Hello and welcome to the Grassroots Coachcast episode 3. I'm one of your hosts, Dave. Which means I must be Ben. Hey guys. Today we're going to be talking about day one of level one of the English FA course. And in our retro review section, we'll be discussing a world-class player who holds the record number of appearances for both Wales and Everton. Okay, so Ben, how's it been going? Yeah, it's been a really been a busy, crazy week, really. Um, so there was no training this week, so I was ill, so that was disappointing. So I didn't get a chance to see the lads before we played today, and uh, I wouldn't see them now for a few weeks on a Sunday because started the level one course. So it's first day today. Um, so how did the team get on without you? Well, thankfully we won five two. And my lad scored a couple, so I was I was really pleased with that. We were 5-0 up, we let in a couple of sloppy goals, so I'll be cracking the whip Thursday, sorting out our defensive issues. <laughs> that's, um, that's a bit harsh, that is. A 5-2 I mean, win, but you, yeah. you, you, you really do worship Alan Hansen, don't you? You're going to pull him you up for the, the two, two oh, sloppy goals. <laughs> you, want, you want the clean sheet, mate. You want the clean sheet. <laughs> Um, but yeah, really, really pleased. And uh, it sounds like it was quite a physical game, so we stood up quite well. And uh, it's yeah, it's just great. That's our third win on the bounce since we got promoted. So we're doing pretty well in our new division. So really pleased. And that that started just as I started my level one today at the same time. So yeah. So did you and your your assistant coach did you discuss any of the uh, tactics before the game? How, how much did you did you work Not- that out beforehand? Gotta be honest, because it's it's been quite a manic week with one thing and another, another, and not been too well, and we didn't actually meet at training. So, I mean, we worked on stuff last week about shape, positioning, keeping the ball, and how we're defending mainly in one on ones because we've been a, we've had a few issues with one on one defending. So, it was mainly around that, and I just kind of said said to him, you know, just keep. Just ask them to do what they've been doing because mm-hmm. we've been playing really well. Some really good passing football, keeping the ball, going back a lot to the goalkeeper and rebuilding if we haven't got a pass on. So I kind of just said, as you as we are really, um, and it sounds like they carried that into the game. So I was really pleased. Like I said, we got a bit sloppy at the end, um, but I think that can happen when you're five nil up. Um, oh so right, so. It was five nil, and then letting a couple yeah, of soft we were, ones. We were five nil. I think they they scored a decent free kick at the end then one of their guys just waltzed past our entire team apparently and scored a bit of a worldie so yeah that was a bit disappointing but generally it sounded like we played some good football and we missed a load of chances so yeah really pleased and um, yeah it gives us a few things to work on this week we'll have a debrief uh, over the next couple of days he'll ping me his thoughts what went well what doesn't go well and um, that'll probably be the focus for the next training session I think cool how about you? How about you guys? Unfortunately, it sounds like you've got a bit of a bit. Of we a got a bit of a pasting, um, which happens every now and then. Um, I, I don't quite know. I haven't had a chance to catch up uh, for a full debrief with the coach, but uh, this is a team. Um, one of the girls uh, that we played before, she, she was really, really good. Probably one of the, probably the best individual player. Uh, that I'd seen in the league, just in terms of yeah. physical presence, but skill on the ball and a, a bit of a rocket left foot as well. So 
so yeah i think we uh we probably just switched off a bit there um so you know it's it's okay it's good to pull out the old non-competitive card isn't it but no one likes taking a beat <laughs> to be honest so um of like i say it's, it's just it's plenty for us to work on for the last kind of five or six weeks we, we've been focusing more on the ball control and so uh probably what what we've got um lined up next is a bit more attacking sort of creative stuff in possession um so it's going to be a few more weeks before we really focus on uh the defending the out of possession side of it um and I, 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 the temptation is to change the plan a bit to to move up the defending. So you know we we don't concede first, keep it tight at the back, and uh, work on the attacking after we've we've tightened up at the back. Maybe. Yeah. Oh well, it's all learning. You know, you can't win every. Yeah. Game. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So, in terms of uh, this last week, then so so in the news, I guess we've had the the close of the the January transfer window. So it was yeah. a it was a record breaking transfer window. Uh, seemed to be less, you know, the volume seemed to be less, but obviously the prices are, are just going up and up. So, I mean, any any thoughts about about what went on there and and the fact that you know the top flight seem to be spending more and more each year. Yeah, I mean, the thing that sticks out really is the Riyad Mahrez thing, which mm-hmm. I just found crazy on all fronts, and I thought it kind of... I don't know. I mean, to to go in... I mean, he's a, he's a great player. Let's not dispute that. But for Man City to go in there and... Obviously, stuff's been said, and he's probably got a bit unsettled and got wind of them wanting him. For him to, firstly, for him to throw in a transfer request when he did the day, or the, was it the day before the window shut? Mm-hmm. Awful, awful timing. Um, do Man City really need him? Oh, probably not. They're going to win the league. Would he play every game when he's fit and everybody? Sorry, when everybody else is fit? I don't know. Possibly, but. They, they seem to be doing all right without him. It just, it just seemed to. I found it a little bit of a greedy, a greedy thing in some ways. I, I, I don't know. But you know, they've got every right to go in forever they want to go in for, I suppose. But it just, I just found it quite obscene throwing that amount of money at what is, looked to me as a bit of a stopgap mm-hmm. because of Sane's injury and I know they've got some other injuries and you know he put six on the bench yesterday, which I also thought was ridiculous. Um. A youth team player on the bench, and that's a different debate. But yeah, it just sort of summed up how crazy football's got. I think to to it reminded me. Do you know? It reminded me of it. Reminded me of the days when Jose Mourinho went out and signed Sean Wright Phillips. <laughs> so no one else could. <laughs> Essentially, yeah, because we were. I think we were Liverpool was sniffing around him, and probably a few other clubs. And it was kind of like, well, even Mo Salah to a point when we were in Liverpool mm, for Mo Salah the yeah, first time yeah. around. It's kind of like, well, we don't want you to have him, so we're going to buy him. And it felt a bit like that with Mares. I'm not saying he wouldn't add to that team because I think he possibly would, but it's it's crazy, isn't it? 60 million or whatever. But they come back and said we want 90 plus a player, or whether that's true or not, I don't know. But it's scary, really. Sanchez going for, and Wenger's sort of intimated he's on more than 600 grand a week, which I find 
I don't believe that personally, but who knows? Yeah. It's madness. It's just absolute madness. And there's got to be a tipping point where it's all going to implode. I can't see it being sustainable personally. And I, you watch Premier League games now and you see a lot of empty seats. I don't think you used to see that 10 years ago, personally. That's my thoughts on it. I mean, I don't know. What do you think? It's, it's crazy, surely. I think for the, for the Mares thing, uh, one of my old kind of mentors at work years ago, he, he used to kind of say that, you know, a curse on all our houses, you know, on a, on a particular unsavoury event. But I don't think, you know, City come out of it particularly well because it just looks like, you know, they, Sane got injured. All right, well, let's let's throw nearly 100 million at one player just because we can. I mean, I, I have no idea how that worked. We're supposed to have financial fair play. It, it wow. doesn't seem to doesn't seem to apply to everyone. I don't think the player comes out particularly well um, because you know, he's, he's, he's gone AWOL now. It, it seems if you if you believe what you read, um, but Leicester as well. You, you're talking about a player there who who cost them four hundred grand, um, and then there's a big big offer there. Um, they're keeping hold of uh, of the player and. and possibly being a bit greedy to keep hold of him as well. So who knows what the right thing to do was. But, uh, yeah, it, it just, it, it does, the whole thing just smacks of greed. And uh, yeah. the gap for me between, you know, that top level and the grassroots, and in our retro review later, we'll be talking about someone who's come up through that that roots you know from playing grassroots football it, it just seems to be that that money is just um it's, it's not going up linearly is it the the amount of money that's being spent on that side of the game and yet you see no. here uh clubs struggling um to keep going at, at grassroots level yep and it's like hartlepool they've got to pay a tax bill i, I can't remember. I'm, I'm not sure how much it is. It was maybe twenty, forty thousand, whatever. Which sounds pe- it's peanuts to. It's a rounding error, isn't it, for City? Or, or pro- yeah, probably every it's, Premiership it's, club. It's a, it's a rounding error. Yeah, and Alexis Sanchez probably earns that in two hours. <laughs> I mean, uh, all right, not two hours, but it's probably not far off. Yeah, you know, if, what's he getting paid a day? If he's getting paid six hundred grand a week, he's on. You know, eighty, ninety grand a day. Yeah, it's, 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 I can't actually get my head around it if I think about it too much. I just find it disgusting, quite frankly. But you know, it's the way of the world. I think Özil's just signed a new dude for two fifty, three hundred grand a week. It's 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 crazy. It's crazy. And, and speaking of Alexis Sanchez, the way that he's got that move, I think sucks as well. I think it's really poor. I think he's down. He down tools ages ago. And reading different reports on him and inside knowledge, I think that's probably fair comment. Um, and it's, you know, it's the way it is now. It's just whether, I mean, Coutinho probably did it to a point. It's just whether you're going to be stubborn enough to say, well, you've got this contract, we'll stick you to it. And is it going to be counterproductive? I don't know. It wasn't for Coutinho for the first three or four months. Then possibly he may have down tools. You don't, you don't know. Mm-hmm. I just think if you contracts don't mean anything, anymore they just mean the club will get a decent yeah really and i think the sooner we all understand that 
they're probably less stressed and wound up we'll get about our favourite players leaving clubs because very few of them will be loyal now. It's just the way of the world. It's a business and, you know, that's not the same for every footballer, but generally they want to win as much money as they can and they want to play for the best team. So they will try and force a move and that's just the way of the world. Yeah. I mean, let's face it, they are short careers, aren't they? We're talking about people at the top of their their game and let's face it for uh, 400 grand a week I, I, I think I might move jobs I, I think I might be tempted for yeah. that as well <laughs> we talked about it today on the on the call when we come to the course next but we talked I was talking to somebody about it today and I said we talked about Oscar when he left Chelsea he's probably what 25 gone to China oh yeah yeah that, that was why he gone he said a strange player. one wasn't it not even speak but then Somebody weighs a contract in front of you and says, here's £400,000 a week. You just can't say no, can you? It's, even And you could probably, in your own mind, rationalise it by going, well, do you know what? I'll go there for two years and earn £30 million, and I'll come back and I'll still want to even be at my peak. That's probably the thinking, I would think, behind a lot of them. But, yeah, yeah you're going to go, aren't you? It's just normal, unless, you're, unless you don't need the money and you're very loyal. Yeah, yeah. You know, life is... I suppose very different inside the bubble than it is outside the bubble, isn't it? I remember um, seeing George Best talk about. Uh, he said he was he was in the Ritz or or some fancy hotel somewhere like that, and he said, you know, he'd ordered room service. This is a you know the tail end of his career, and he'd ordered room service, and he's got Miss World in there running around, you know, half dressed. Uh, behind and, and the guy uh, who brings the room service uh, looks at George and he's like, oh, George, where did it all go wrong? <laughs> and George Best is just chuckling to himself as if he's like, no, nope, I think it's all, it's all pretty look, it's all looking pretty good from where I am. <laughs> yeah. Good, to him. good old George. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, anything else from the news in the last week? I'm trying to think now. Really, it's just put. I mean, yeah, probably the transfers is the big thing. Yeah, it's it's really uh, it's really annoying transfer deadline day. I try every year not to get sucked in, and then uh, just find myself constantly checking the phone. Have we signed anyone? Uh, no, still no. <laughs> but maybe. I put on. I don't think this. Yeah, I don't think this should be a transfer window. Personally, I don't think it's good for smaller clubs. I don't think it's good for anybody. Off market, and it's a bit of a farce. But there you go. Yeah, I mean, again, just the the change from years gone by. You know, sometimes a club would um, would sell their top player, and that would keep them going for another three, six months, or whatever. The amount of money in the game now—that's that's just not really—it's not really a factor anymore. So that—that's where the, you know, the selling clubs seem to have a lot more power, and that just that just drives up the price. But um, yeah. I mean, it, it is a it is a bit of fun though. It? You know, it does provide a little that's bit of interest. Thing. And the only thing I really miss that the fact that Harry Redknapp isn't in isn't managing a Premiership club at the minute. Because, you know, every transfer window, I just miss him, you know, in his car, leaning out his car window, you know, and he's, he's wheeler dealing yeah. something and, you know, he's got like about 
ten irons in the fire, and he's he's trying to be candid, but he'll give little tidbits about who's after and stuff. So can't beat Harry Redknapp on there. Yeah, we've still got Jim White on Skylo in his in his yellow yellow suit. Yeah, yeah. Okay, if there's no more news, then uh, if you like what you hear, please go ahead and click that subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher, and we'd really appreciate one of those five-star reviews or a go Lazo, which will help other people find the podcast in their searches. You can also get in touch with us at grassrootscoachcast at gmail.com, that's all one word, or Twitter at grootscoachcast. And Ben, we've got another go Lazo. Okay, so this review says, Two great people talking in an honest and concise manner, very well produced with, with a few laughs. Neil said very, very few laughs there. Um, brilliant, informative podcast. Can't wait for the next one. So thank you for that. That's, uh, really appreciate those kind words. Okay, so let's move into our next section, which is day one of level one. Okay, so there are five levels, five different core coaching levels for the English FA. And uh, the course we started on was the, the level one. So, so Ben, how did, you, how did you find that first day? Yeah, it was good. I really enjoyed it, actually. Um, I was a bit apprehensive, I'll be honest, before I started. Um, probably just because I kind of knew what to expect from speaking to other people, but I guess it's just because you don't know anybody and, you know, you, in my head, everybody else is a good coach, but I'm thinking well, that's ridiculous because they're all there doing a level one. But mm-hmm. it's just that sort of being a bit self-conscious. But still, yeah, first day at school, isn't it? A little bit, yeah. I wasn't that nervous, but it was, um, yeah, it was good. And I would say it's quite an interesting bunch. They're quite probably a similar age group to me. I would say most of them. There's there was one young girl. And she's been encouraged to get into coaching. She was quite nervous, but it, she sort of mucked in and enjoyed, joined in the practical stuff, which was good. A um, couple of older people, but it was interesting. Not everybody was a coach. There were people there. There was a lad on our table who was 18, who's just interested in coaching. He's not that as interested in playing as he is in coaching, which I thought was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just trying to f- decide what kind of age group he wants to coach. And he actually said he'd like to coach 16, 17 year olds. Which is pretty. That's I brave. What, well, that's what I thought, and I thought, well, good on you, you know, because that's quite. A, that must be quite a daunting thing to go straight in at that age group, and it's yeah, daunting yeah. enough anyway doing any age group. But yeah, so and there were a couple of the people there who were interested in doing it in the future, um, and were still playing, obviously at an amateur. So yeah, it was good. Um, probably made me realise how much. Or I need to put into my own sessions, not maybe in terms of the actual routines and practices that we're doing, but just the structure mm-hmm. and having a theme all the way through and building a session rather than just bang, let's try this activity, bang, let's try something else. And that might be completely different, but just slowly building up a, a practice into a session. Mm-hmm. You know, I found that really interesting. So, I mean, just for example, the first thing we did was he split us into two teams. This is when we got outside on the pitch. Mm-hmm. Oh, we had a bit of, you know, ice breaking and just getting to, you know, just 
bit of bit of tutorial to start with. And we didn't go out on the pitch actually for a couple of hours. When we did, he he put us into two teams and he said, right, you've got a pretend ball. So it wasn't actually a physical ball. Mm-hmm. And you had to have your hand up as you had the ball. And to pass the ball, you had to say somebody's name and then they had to put their hand up. And the other team had to try and touch the person with the ball before they gave it to somebody else. But of course, it was a shambles because we didn't know anybody's names. <laughs> yeah. And then he said, right, that hasn't worked very well. Have a chat for one minute amongst yourselves, how, what you can do to improve it. So, of course, everyone quickly tries to get, get to know their own names. Then we came up with, well, say, Ben's on if you want the ball. So you're shouting your name out. Then they can say, oh, they hear me say Ben's on, and he shouts Ben. Mm-hmm. Which is quite interesting. Then he introduced the ball, and we could only throw the ball um, to get to your teammate. And again, if somebody touched you, you're out. And then he introduced, well, you can't throw the ball overhead height. Um then we played football and he gave us zones to score points into. So he shout a zone out and you had to get into that zone to score a point. But it was interesting the way he, he slowly built it up. So it started as a bit of a shambles on our part mm-hmm. because we, we weren't prepared really because we didn't know each other. And then he just slowly tweaked it and put it into a proper developing session, which was really interesting. Mm. And it worked really well and it kind of made me think, wow. You know, I never would have thought of doing something like that with my kids um, in terms of that structure. So that that was one thing that I really took the morning session today. Uh, I know we spoke off off air, and I think yours was slightly. I think you got straight into the physical stuff very early on, whereas we probably didn't do that. We had a bit more theory before we started that. Yeah. So I guess the. I mean, just initial impressions, first of all, I was, I was really impressed with it, the the whole thing. Um, and I guess the, you know, if I'd have come away thinking, yeah, I, I picked up one or two things, um, you know, I wouldn't, wouldn't really have got that much benefit from it. But I came away, like, my head bursting with ideas and, trying to remember yeah. different concepts and, and what have you. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I thought the whole day was, was pretty good. But I, I guess the, the day started out for us. You know, we, we kind of went in there. And, and to be honest, I, I was comparing it to some other courses that I'd been on and, and wondering if my own mindset was different because I really went in just thirsting for you know, to to learn more and, and learn what was put on show. So I'm really enthusiastic about it. You, you mentioned the icebreakers. There were a few of those to start off, you know, and a uh, little bit of theory. Uh, I think I was up to about half 10, 11 o'clock or something. And then that was when, when we went out on the pitch. And uh, what I will say is, you know, there was a lot more running around in the day than I, than I expected. Um, so, you know, you're told to bring your your boots or your, we were on a 3G pitch, so you could have wore, wore your AstroTurf trainers as well. Oh, but you got lucky. Were you, were you on the grass, were you? We were on grass, yeah, and it hailed for a bit and it was freezing. But <laughs> yeah, no, I don't, we weren't out. We were only out for a couple of hours. It wasn't oh, really? Like, yeah, yeah. We weren't out for maybe two and a half hours. It wasn't. That's what I mean. I think yours was much more out on the pitch lot yeah more than it seems to be because we i mean we had we had lunch and then we had some more we had time 
uh, in the afternoon to basically work out and plan our sessions. Yeah. And then I think it was about, it was probably from about half two, half two, quarter to three, we were back out on the pitch pretty much till five o'clock. Yeah. And um, the thing is, you know, you're there for the coaching, um, but the inner player, I, I don't know about you, but for me, I, I couldn't hold back. <laughs> I knew, I knew the it was all on the it was all focused on the coaching side. But when you're putting drills together and you're having little matches, and to be fair, uh, the, the standard was pretty good as well. <laughs> you know, I was expecting you'd have a few who you know hardly play the game but are interested interested in coaching. So when you have your little five and six asides. Um, you know, you'd have people who can't control the ball or whatever, but but some of the games are quite intense. <laughs> and I just couldn't really, um, again, my ration, the rational part of my brain is saying, just just hold back, hold plenty back, it's a long day. And uh, now just every game I went for it 100%. And then by the time I'm driving home, you know, I can barely feel my legs. And, and today, you know, I woke up, <laughs> felt like I was in a splint, you know, just can hardly move my legs but but no it's really really good fun yeah it was and uh, obviously the uh, my worry was can i physically handle it because my back's in a bit of a state mm. um and i actually i actually had a hot water bottle on my back or the, on the drive up it's like a 45 minute drive and Cranky. i put a hot water bottle in and i thought i'm just going to sit with that resting on my back in it because it really loosens it up and it really did help actually um and i, I, I stood up to it all right and i managed to take part in it i mean he asked he said who wants to come out on the pitch mm-hmm. he said if you don't want to you don't have to um he said i'm not going to make you he said people seem to think if you don't take part on the pitch you won't pass he said that's not true he said it's up to every individual um so i think there was only two or three lads who didn't do it i mean some they came in jeans and trainers and didn't bring anything else so they, they couldn't really do it <laughs> uh, but yeah i think so we had i think we had 16 actually on the pitch which was good um so yeah it was it it was great and we got to as we went through the day you know every everything that he was talking about i was just thinking right how can i take that into my 10 year olds mm-hmm. training <clears throat> and how can i how can i make the training more interesting how can i structure it better and that's what i that's what I wanted to get out of it and I did and like a bit like you I had all these ideas and it was almost too much and I was thinking oh god I've got to remember everything and when I calm down you know I can think back to to what we did and stuff and start and and there were certain things he did and there's roots of ideas that I do now Mm -hmm. in a few of the things that we did which was kind of encouraging and just having that confidence to think that the stuff you do do is is good and it was interesting when he we had to come up with a routine um, or a game plan. Uh, we were defending on the edge of our box mm-hmm. and we had to get break through the other team to score a goal. And at first, it was kind of, oh, you know, we, we, there's three of us trying to work it out. We just trying to overcomplicate it. Mm-hmm. And, and we sort of tentatively shown him what we'd done. And it was just this sort of, we put like a safe zone at the back and, you know, but it ultimately came down to when we talked through it with him, it was all the the sort of key elements of, you know, still I've probably gone a bit brain dead, so I can't remember all the, the wording of it, but we had all the key elements of 
the sort of attacking philosophy from mm-hmm. the, you know what I'm talking about. I can't remember the wording for it, but he sort of ran through it. He said, well, he said, have you got this? Have you got this? Have you got this? Have you got this? And we said, well, yeah. He said, well, there you go then. He said, so it's a good routine. It's a good plan. He said, and what he said at the start was interesting. He said, football is very, very simple. He said, it's a simple game. So it's two teams, one ball, trying to score in each goal. Mm-hmm. And he said, that, so ultimately that's what it comes down to. And I think we kind of forgot that and we almost felt we had to be really overcomplicated in the, the routine. Yeah. And we didn't. It was just like, we'll play the ball here. These defenders will probably move there. This guy can then do this. This guy can do that. This guy can overlap. And he said, he said, that's fine. He said, that's great. He said, always plan it doing what you think the opposition will do, which, which was interesting. He said, don't, he said, obviously they might not do that, but he said, you can only plan a structured routine, assuming you know what the other team are going to do. Otherwise you can't do it. Mm-hmm. So as long as you're doing that and you've got all the elements in, great, it's a good routine. So that was quite kind of encouraging. It gave us a bit more confidence after that. I, I don't know how you felt planning the, the routine. Was it, was it, it might have been a bit different how you did it, but... I think the... Well, I, I tell you what, let, let's... I, I don't want to really forget anything through the day, so I, I need to think chronologically. <laughs> um, so... We'll come on to the planning sessions, but but to say I I, I did feel the pressure a little bit, <laughs> and there was some before we went, you know. So so we paired up, so it wasn't at least you weren't on your own to to plan a session and then deliver it to the group. Um, but but I did feel the pressure because before we went, there were some good quality sessions going on, really creative and innovative uh, sessions there, and and so. Uh, yeah, it, it went well in the end, but uh, yeah, you do start to sweat a little bit, and you're like, oh, do, you know, is, is the instructor is he going to rip into you for you know, <laughs> having dull, boring, uh, uneventful uh, sessions? Like, so the thing I wanted to say about because again, each I'm sure each instructor will deliver it in a slightly different way. Yeah, and the. The thing that I found really interesting, the, the instructor we had was was brilliant. Uh, really, he clearly loves loves his job, loves training and stuff. Uh, very knowledgeable about the game. And where in, I can't remember if it was at the very beginning or if it was in between a, a couple of icebreakers. But he was talking about um, this framework that, that the FA had put together. And uh, he started talking about the four corner model. So, yeah, yeah. do do you remember? Do you remember what the the four corners were? Oh come on! <laughs> Sorry, yeah, this, I, this, uh, we haven't got fizz, to stump fizz, the grasshopper yet. Yeah, so. I can actually bits of it. Go on. Uh, technical. Yep. Physical. Yep. Psychological. Yep. And I've forgotten the other one. Social. Social. That's it. Yeah. So, I, I, brilliant. I'm quite chuffed for myself. I remembered three of those. Yeah. So I. It was only because I. I've. I've had an extra day, haven't I? So I. I did the course yesterday. I've had time to sort of digest it, mull over it a bit, uh, and think about it. And uh, again, it's it's just a framework. So it's not about you know thinking one player is really good at free kicks and, and that's the start, middle and end of it. So it's kind of a nice nice little uh, framework to think of there. Um, 
I think this is this is. Uh, I'm sure so somewhere they they revamped all this in in the last uh, couple of years. And what he said is, in building up part of this whole approach and and what they call the the England DNA. They'd stop looking outside, so they'd stop looking to Spain and say, oh, well, Spain are really good. What do they do? And maybe we can just copy them. And, and what do Germany do? You know, we'll copy them. And what do, uh, what do the Dutch do? And we'll, we'll copy them. They'd stop kind of looking outwards. And they tried to look, be a bit more inwardly looking and, and try and embrace all the things you know about English football, and try and build on that, you know, rather than just try and um, adopt everyone else's values. So, did your your instructor talk about that at all? Yeah, not in too much depth, I wouldn't say. Um, we, he did touch on it, and like you said, the four corners and the four pillars of the DNA of the FA, and he put a lot of posters up around the walls, and we didn't really have time to sort of digest those um so he didn't yeah he didn't really go into that too much i mean he was more focused on um how important it was to have coaches in the game Mm -hmm. the big things and he said basically the the, they're losing coaches all the time i found interesting um said a lot of it's because people have kids in a team and once they kids finish with that team or whatever the coaches go mm-hmm. um, and he, so yeah that was a really important part of the whole thing and keeping keeping it fun and keeping it um, interesting for people to go into it and encouraging people to go into it and they're having to you know invest in grassroots um, you know what it is so hard when you've just I can't remember half of it yeah yeah kind of, it's kind of scrambled my brain totally it's been a, it's been a long day for you hasn't it in particular so uh yeah been a lot oh. of physical <laughs> exertion thrown in there as well so but you can edit all this bit because i've lost my thread totally that's all right so that, i mean let's keep i'll keep it recording and we'll we'll see where yeah, we get just, to yeah. sometimes um, people like like the uh the the behind the scenes screwing it up not polished stuff <laughs> This, this definitely falls into that category. So um, I'm trying to think as well. There are other basic concepts, but I think one of the things I'd said early on was around, um, I think, you know, when we, were to- when we had an icebreaker, part of it was, you know, why are you doing the course? And so um, we went around the different tables and, and you had to speak about, you know, other people's reasons, not your own because those are easy. So part of the whole icebreaker challenge is, is finding out other people's and then telling the whole the whole class. And um, one of the things I'd said was I, I was looking for that more structured approach. And I think that's what I got, but he, he, he did pick up on that and, and sort of said, I, I don't know whether he thought I, I was thinking it, I'd come out with a prescription you know, I'd come out with, you know, this is a, a set curriculum and, you know, yeah. you put your players in a Petri dish and, and then you incubate them and then uh, out pops a, a future player, you know, future premiership player. And, and that's not what I meant, but he, he just wanted to make sure that what 
you're going to be learning is is more how to be creative and and innovative in thinking of how to build up your uh, your your sessions and what have you. Yeah, and uh, and it's really it really is that framework. You know, it's it's not a prescription. And so yeah. uh, I, I thought that was that was really interesting. So things like, you know, the um, the four corner model, the whole plan, do review. Well, that's that's kind of what whatever you do in life, you you should really do that. Plan it a bit, do it, and then review how well it went. So these yeah. were all little just framework things, but there's a lot of space to move uh, within that, isn't there? And uh, and create more engaging uh, sessions. Yeah, and we had to. He asked us to. We had a similar thing. Why are we doing it? Um, and I had a similar answer. I said, the kit, as well as sharing ideas with other coaches and that side of it, I said, I wanted to be able to structure my sessions better because I think I've got good ideas. But like I said earlier, I think they can be a bit not random, but I'll do something. Because the time's so limited, you get an hour with the kids, like making the best use of that hour. And of course, you like to have a little game at the end because they love doing that. And I think that's quite, it's kind of good to do the game because then you start to see them putting into practice what you've just done in that session, Mm -hmm. for example. So that's going to take 15, 20 minutes. You've only got really 40 minutes, which isn't a lot of time. And it's just trying to make the best use of that 40 minutes and um, make it fun well as engaging and also challenging and that's the sort of balance and i think he showed us that today with the way he built up the sessions and he said you know it's a game and he asked us to define what a game was because we'll have different definitions but we all said it should be fun mm-hmm. and it should be engaging and it should be challenging um so i mean he actually asked us to make up a game like any game which was interesting um but yeah when i was trying to make the sessions fun anyway but yeah it was kind of i found that quite interesting that everyone was sort of like-minded yeah it should be fun because they're kids mm-hmm. so yeah that that plan do review thing is interesting and I, I i kind of mentally do that but i don't write it down and and then start building up a sort of diary almost of well did that routine work? Yeah, it, it was. What was good about it? What wasn't? Would I use it again? Probably. And then, you know, almost keeping a dossier of that and keeping a log and thinking, well, there's a routine I can go back to. Yeah, yeah. Then can I take that routine and twist it a bit? And he said that to us. We did a routine and he said, um, okay, take my routine and how would you twist it and put your own twist on it? Which is great, a good food for thought and I had a few ideas. And it's kind of that, don't... I took that from it today as well. That you know, with your routines, it doesn't have to be the same set routine every week. You can twist it and make it a bit different. And another key thing that came out of it was you can adapt it to any number, any any numbers. So if you've got five aside team, you can shrink it down and use it for that. If you've got a nine aside team, you can expand it and do it for that. So there's all these different things you can do mm-hmm. that I found I found that really interesting. Um, so that side of it was was really beneficial but yeah it's a, it's a lot to take in and i mean at one point he actually said some of the stuff we're doing he says more level two all right yeah because he got quite we did quite a technical thing with zones and positioning you know, team and what you do out, out of possession 
in possession and he was kind of moving us around a lot and he was asking us where would you stand where should you stand should you press should you should you show restraint it's simple stuff but trying to you know coach it challenge but it was really really fascinating how he did it and not instinctively following those instructions yeah i i must admit i mean i i think of the fun element in the in the sessions we do um but i kind of came away thinking you know compared to what they can be they need to get better (laughs) you know being brutally honest with myself because I actually thought one of the one of the golden nuggets for me at least I, I mean you might do this um, better already but planning an arrival activity you know so if you know everyone's going to turn up at different times so just have a specific activity that where you can easily uh, build up the number of people who are, who are taking part in that yeah, and and I, I I quite like the old piggy in the middle um, because you can easily just make the circle bigger, and then if the circle gets too big, you split off and have a second circle. Um, but compared to what we did, I I, I don't think it's I, I think we can do a lot better. Um, so when we went out there for the for the morning session, I, I don't know. I've, I've, I'm always a slow changer. <laughs> so I remember from school, I'd, I'd always be the last one coming out for PE. And I, I don't intentionally be slow, but I obviously change pretty slowly. So, you know, I'm, I'm wandering out and I'm, I'm the last one out. Or there's about three of us actually, but, you know, I'm, I'm in that last group. And they're, they're already working away at something. So we're simulating that, that kind of people just turning up and he had people doing, you know, these little uh, uh, games where, you, if say there's like two of you, and then uh, you, you need to count each counter number, so one, two, three, and when you start off with the game, and when someone says one, you have to run back a few steps and run forward a few steps, and then so yeah. you're doing that, and then two, right the person who says two needs to run sideways and, and back and back into position. And then he'll, he'll let that go for a bit. And then he'll add in a three and the person who says three needs to do a header. And so like you were saying before, just starting off with something very, very simple and then just building it up. And as another player arrives, you know, we can, uh, you can have a three as well. If you've got an odd number, yeah, uh, you just have to change the number to to uh, to an even number, so you have to make they have to count to four, or else the same person will be saying one all the time. Yeah, and uh, I I just thought that that was a massive penny dropping moment for me. It's it's like you know don't I, I think I, I looked at the piggy in the middle stuff as just a, a necessary evil, whereas that's that should be part of the the session that you're planning and, and putting effort into planning as well. And so yeah. that that's a, a a real big takeaway for me. Is really think about that arrival activity, and yeah. make it fun. It it can be with the ball or it can be without the ball. Absolutely, and it gave me a lot of ideas as well. And again, there's there's almost things that I don't do in training because I think well that's a bit too throwaway and a bit daft. Mm-hmm. But I think there are things I should be doing, even if it's for five minutes at the start. 
because it's, it's, it's a bit of an icebreaker and it's fun for the kids and I think it probably puts them in a good mood as well for that session and it's just you know loosens them up a bit and so I took that away from it as a really interesting thing because often I turn up because of work and mm-hmm. stuff I, I can't get to training on time and so by the time I arrive the sort of assistant stew's set up but they're all they're not doing much other than shooting balls at the goal mm-hmm. so it's almost like I can say to him right here's a few ideas of things before I get there and we start properly we can just have the kids doing this while they're waiting for me yeah so I've got a few ideas and yeah that was that was really interesting as well because he just said the exact same scenario I face every week he said you know you arrive and you've got to get all the cones out and the kids are sort of wandering around doing this that and the other and you can just you can shout at them while you're getting stuff set up oi do this routine do that Mm -hmm. they can get on with it yeah another really easy one he did and 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 i think this was just uh i don't think it was scripted i I think we it was in the afternoon session when when we were going through uh that and and the first first group were, were setting up so I mean, it was a miserable day. So we were on a 3G pitch, but it was it was pouring down with rain all day. So a few of us who were playing sort of stood around not doing much. He said, right, right, I've got a little game for you. So get into twos, and I'm going to shout head, shoulders, knees and toes. So have a ball in between you. And when I say toes, you need to get the ball first. So drag drag the ball back in between the two of you. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, he's doing head, shoulders, knees, head, toes, you know, and you try and get the ball. And, and it's a bit of fun. And even though you're talking about, you know, uh, you know, there's a bit of an age range in our group as well. There was, there was one young lad as well. But, but most people were, were probably there because they're, they're coaching their own kids. So you're looking at, yeah. you know, 30s, 40s. So, you know, not kids. And, and you're still sort of laughing around and, you know, we did it about four times and, you know, a few uh, stump toes and whatever. <laughs> but, you know, you, you're genuinely laughing about it and uh, yeah. having fun. But but it's, it, it's with a purpose as well. You know, you're trying to um, get that reaction time, but get your feet moving quickly. And so, yeah. uh, again, just a, such a simple little thing. But um, yeah. it just makes makes better use of that arrival time where it's all a little bit messy and like say you know yeah. you've got people turning up at different times so so yeah brilliant yeah that was a really good really good thing to take out of today i really enjoyed that and i thought yeah that will stop the <clears throat> 10 footballs being booted all over the pitch and this, <laughs> that and the other which drives me mad so um yeah, yeah it was it was good so let, let's get on to um Oh, in fact, uh, what I will say is then, so, you know, the instructor f- effectively runs or, or ran for us a session. <clears throat> and so, again, what, what I was impressed with is just how how it built up. So as, as you mentioned before, I, I'm pretty sure that's, that's intentional. So pretty sure the instructors can probably do whatever training session they want, but they're told to emphasize certain things. So I... Probably mine was different to yours, but I mean, ours started off uh, same thing, couple of end zones, but lots and lots of different um, variations on on different games. And again, yeah. it'd start off with something very, very simple. And I think we started off um, without the ball. Oh, so that was it. The old, uh, you know, took took 
tuck a bib down your shorts and then run around and try and grab someone's bib. You know, yeah. th- things like that. So, so there's no ball at all. You're just trying to uh, get the blood flowing and, and uh, get loosened up. And uh, But then, you know, he'd, he'd start with playing a bit of handball and then what he was doing, we had a, we had a few people participating and then uh, there were like three or four people on the sidelines and he was, he was tasking them and saying, right, introduce a new rule to the game. You know, so yep. we're playing handball, and it's like someone shouts out, "Right, um, now you can't do overhead height." So you start playing again, and then someone else will shout, "Right, now, uh, when you're in transition, you have to pass it forward. You can't pass it back, or else it's free kick." You know, and then yep. someone else. So they're adding more and more complexity into the game. Yeah, yeah. So is that is that similar sort of thing for you? A, li- a little bit, yeah. It was kind of what we were doing um this afternoon when we did we had an eight aside game in zones but but kind of three attackers and two defenders in one zone um two midfielders from each side in the middle zone and then he so to start with it was you stay in your own zone mm-hmm. and then he start as we went through he'd stop it every 15 20 seconds and he just little subtle things so um, the two defenders, what should your shape be? And he was moving them close together. And he said, but he was trying to pick out the lines of pass that were less um, potentially devastating, I can put it. So he was kind of like, well, if you've got a guy sat right back, uh, got a guy in midfield, they're both free from the opposition. You as a striker, where should you, where should you move to? It's like, well, right back, no, move to the midfielder because the right back is in a less dangerous position. Okay, he could smash a ball 50 yards or score a freak goal, but you said it's about determining who's in the most dangerous position. And it was only a very subtle thing. Mm-hmm. But, he, but then he was kind of just, then he said, you know, if you haven't got the ball and you're defending, one of the attackers can move from his zone into midfield to support the two midfielders. So you make it three on two. And it was just little things like that, and he was just—he'd every—he kept stopping it and moving, moving us around and making us think about positioning and that kind of thing. And I found that—I found it really interesting. Um, and that's these are the things that you said. This is probably more level two. And he said it's getting more technical, but he said it's just to get you thinking how you could adapt that to your players and what you could, how you could make your session interesting and make it relevant to them and it doesn't have to be over complicated but mm-hmm. just subtle things about where your striker should stand or where your defenders should be should they be close together should they be should they be wide, wide apart mm-hmm. and open to the risk of get, being attacked down the middle but I found that really fascinating I, and there were things in that that I thought yeah I kind of can see that that I do a little bit in my team in terms of positioning and all that but not not at that level of complexity and it's kind of it was just again building it up slowly, rather than saying, "Right, we're doing this activity. You've got, you've got to do this. You've got to go in this zone. You can't do this in that zone," which would probably just bamboozle them. But as you gradually introduce different nuances and different rules, you can gradually build up a routine that works, mm-hmm. and they understand. And I've, that's what I want to get out of it. And I can see ways that you can do that, and that's a real bonus for me personally and probably what you 
well again just adding little things into each routine and it just makes it it just he he, he said it takes it from practice into a session because mm-hmm. then you're doing three or four practices you're not just doing one practice of one-on-one defending that's it let's move on to something else you're taking the same one practice then you're building on it mm-hmm. session because you've you've taken that one basic germ of an idea and you've added extra layers on it yeah session and i found that very subtle but very interesting yeah it's interesting what you say about the the level two stuff because we we didn't get anywhere near kind of tactics if you like so positioning yeah, on yeah. on yeah. defense or whatever we, it, it was all around you know structuring creating activities and and so so as tactical as we got was all around those three is it is it three phases or or three parts of the game i don't, I don't know what the right description is but basically they're looking at uh, in possession out of possession out of position and transition and transition yeah so that's that's as complicated as it got essentially and and there was there was no um no positioning stuff covered at all and it was all you know when when we looked at building our own session um you know, we, we the only structure was given was you know have an arrival activity and then you you need to um, develop and then then you probably have some sort of game but just build up that complexity. Um, yeah. So you know it can be any one of those three things: in possession, out possession, transition. But that that sounds interesting. I, I think he's again the instructors are going to be a bit different, aren't they? So. Uh, yeah. So it's good. Yeah. It's good. Probably more luck than anything planning-wise. That just we happen to have done it and are discussing it on the on exactly the same weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think. So how many sessions did you have? Uh, because we we had I think we had about fifteen, sixteen on the course. Actually, there was a bloke sat next to me. Um, and he, he looked a bit green, so I'm not sure if he'd been on the on the pop. A few of us were sweating it out. Yeah. You, could smell, you could smell it as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I, I, one, one, I could... one guy came with a classic. He did the classic, oh, I had a vindaloo last night. <laughs> and I was like, seriously, the night before doing this? Yeah, I, I, I couldn't have done that myself. No, uh... I had a very rare, clean, no booze. Saturday night, I was fresh, <laughs> fresh headed for today. But yeah, so so we had one less than we than we should have done. But um, but yeah, we ended up having, you know, eight sessions that were created by the group. So like, say you 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 paired up essentially, and then delivered a coaching yeah. session to everyone else. So I guess you had, had the same numbers. So it's eight sessions for. No, we didn't. We didn't do that. Oh really? Actually, that's what was interesting. Yeah, no, we we designed. We made up our own game, which didn't have to be football. That could be anything. And we, we, everybody else had to try that game out. But then we did create our own. It was I wouldn't even say it was a chef session. It was a practice. It was a routine. He gave us all a different scenario. Mm-hmm. He said, "That's you've got to develop." Like I said, ours was we're defending on, on the edge of our own box. You've got to develop a practice to show how you can break through, you know, to score a goal. Mm-hmm. But we didn't actually take it on the pitch and do it 
it was just more to get us thinking of how you'd structure it. Yeah. So we didn't, we didn't physically go out and take a session. He, he kind of gave us example sessions today. Um, but I guess going forward, we'll, we will possibly do that next week. Um, he didn't really say too much about next week. He just said, go away and think about what we've done. And then we'll come back next week and, you know, we'll do some more planning and this, that and the other. So I suspect he, he probably used today more as setting the scene and getting mm-hmm. us thinking and that kind of thing. And then next week we'll probably be a bit more out on the grass, I would think. Yeah, so... Which is completely different to yours, so... Yeah, so so basically we, we had these uh, these eight different sessions. And so, like I say, it was, it was from about half two through to five o'clock. Uh, which is partially why I, I can't walk today. <laughs> um, but you know, so so you basically participated, I, and you could stand out if you if you wanted to, but uh, it's just not my style. <laughs> so yeah. you know, the the only respite I got was um, obviously when you're running your own session. So you you're not doing all full eight, so, so that's seven, and then <clears throat> when one session's running. Uh, and you're prepping, you're setting all your cones out and everything for the for the next session. So, uh, yeah. so that was good. And and sort of getting back to we to where we were a little while ago, where I said let let's go back through through the day. So while we were setting up there, and I was working with a, a, a good lad, and we we were trying to, you know, you start off with a blank piece of paper, and you're like, oh crikey, the the pressure's on here, and and working back and forth we we came up with a pretty good plan in the end but you're still when you're setting the cones up exactly how you wanted it um you know you're still like is this going to go down like a lead balloon and you know we participated in some really good sessions really creative uh innovative sessions as well so so you're sweating a bit you know to to look bad in front of all your peers but but no it went pretty well and we tried to incorporate all the things we've been taught in in the morning, you know. So rather, and and I'm guilty of this. So in in the sessions, you'll put out cones for that specific activity that you're doing right then, right now, kind of thing. Whereas you know he's trying to get us to to think, you know, three steps ahead. So you know we had um, a couple of different zones we we basically had uh the cones laid out for about three different activities yeah and we just had you know we take a couple of cones away and just it, it created the different games um and like i say we we used the old uh we were dribbling around the box and stuff but and we incorporated the you know put the bib down your shorts and try and try and dribble with the ball but then nick as many bibs as you can and and stuff like that and it 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 was just again we were able to quickly uh put into practice what we've been taught but you know i was quite keen that i just i need to write all this stuff down because this this is really good stuff and and again you know the the guys at the end uh you know seem to really enjoy it you know so uh so yeah, it was good. So definitely, I need to take that into um, into coaching coaching the team. Like, yeah, no, no, totally. So any uh, anything else can we think of from that day? I think so. I think again, I think once I've reflected, I'll probably 
think more about it and everything else. But at the moment, it's just trying to. As long as there's so much information to absorb, but I'll go back through my coaching book we got. I'll probably think, oh yeah, we did this, that, and the other, and I'll, a lot more of it will come back. So it was funny because we did that pre, you know, that pre uh, course module we had to do on. Oh, that. the e-learning one, yeah. yeah. He asked us about that in groups. He said, right, if I'd never done it before, I didn't know anything about it. What would you explain to me about it? And we all went blank. And we all just thought, we, we, we were like, I can't remember anything about it. And every table said the same thing, which was kind of comforting, but also a bit, he was like, really? He said, I'll feed that back. Because th- there were only a couple of things that we could all remember about it in the end. And it was all the videos about other people's personal experiences. Mm-hmm. But specifics from it, well, I, I couldn't remember anything about it. It was really bizarre. Um, and I think but everybody felt the same way. I think they all just felt it was a bit, the only interesting parts were hearing other people's experiences. Um, so I think that I th- was interesting. That was- I think it's, uh, I think they mentioned the four corner model, don't they? Um, yeah. Quite consistently, but <clears throat> it, it seemed, I mean, it's billed as an e-learning, um, but it seemed more like a, a marketing video. A, a little bit. That's yeah. That's probably a good description of it. Really. It, it didn't feel like, yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. You weren't, you, you weren't we taught subject matter, were you? You're just like, no. you know, this is why I do coaching and, you know, think about why you do coaching. And, yeah. yes, it, that's what it felt like to me, like like a marketing video. Yeah, and there are, there are I've been looking, I was looking earlier at the other online courses, you have to do the bits of the course you have to do online. There are some other e-learning certificates you have to get. Um they're like 20, 30 minutes long, I think. So I'll probably get stuck into those at some point. Uh, but yeah, whether they're, I presume they're probably a little bit different. Yeah. So what I'd suggest we do is we'll go through all of the e-learning courses. And then if we want to do a particular show just dedicated to all those, uh, and then we can talk about them as a whole, we can do. At the minute, we've just gone through the one and, and there's there's not too much to talk about at the minute. Yeah. So let's move on to our next section then, which is Retro Review. Today we're going to be talking about Neville Southall. So Ben, what are your first early thoughts and memories about Neville Southall? Big Nev. Uh, Well, obviously we discussed my Welsh allegiances last week, so... He was probably one of the first keepers that I ever remember um, back in the 80s. Um, my first, my early memories of him were just so damned unfortunate he didn't go to a World Cup. Um, he, had, he was in that pretty decent Welsh team with Rush, Hughes, Saunders, Ratcliffe. And it was just, they sort of had half a, world-class side but not quite the rest around it and they had so much bad luck but he was just such a he was such a talisman for Wales um, and he was part of that spine when you had him Kevin Ratcliffe Mark Hughes and Rush such a big strong powerful spine and he started that with his with his presence really and he was just one of the most he always looked to me like he wasn't built to be a goalkeeper for some reason, I don't think he was the tallest, and 
he always looked a bit dishevelled and like you know he just got out of bed or something. But <laughs> some of the saves he used to make were just unbelievable. I mean, just so agile, and you wouldn't think looking at him he'd be he'd be like that, but he was so unbelievably agile. And he used to make just outrageous saves. I used to watch games and think how, how, he's just unbeatable. He had that whether that was his aura or. I mean, Everton were good back in those days, of course. They used to win the league title and get to FA Cup finals and, you know, they won the Cup Winners' Cup and everything. And he was all—he was a big part of that. And I think he's just... I always think a goalkeeper has got to have that little something about them. And I think he had that, whether it's just... He was a bit... I won't say off the wall, but he was quite a unique... Um, what's the word? Very single-minded yeah belligerent and he was he had he was very very he had real strong opinions and philosophies he's definitely he reminds me a bit of Roy Keane if you listen to Roy Keane you know he takes no prisoners he doesn't really care who he upsets however Neville Souther reminded me a bit of that he was very he was a very unique individual he's his own man isn't he yeah and I think being a goalkeeper you've got to have that personality and he's the kind of guy I would think if he made a mistake, he let one through his legs, he wouldn't care less. He'd just get on with it. And I think that's really important for a goalkeeper. And that's how he used to come across. Kind of arrogant. But just I think when you've got somebody like that behind you in goal, I think you your defence just feels that little bit taller and that little bit more um unbeatable because you've got that guy behind you. And I think you could probably go through obviously we're Liverpool fans, you can look at Liverpool's goalkeeping problems. I don't I don't think we've had a goalkeeper with that level of personality and confidence, probably since David James, but David James, you know, used to lose focus. But Neville Southall had focus, but I think if he made a mistake it, it just it was water off a duck's back and he'd get on with it. And the one thing I remember about him, which probably summed him up, talking about that sort of stuff, is when I think he was coming towards the end of his career, but he's still at Everton, and I think they played Leeds at home. Yeah, I know where this is going. Yeah, and I think that's the season Leeds actually won the league, ninety-two or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they were three 0 up at half time, and he came out at half time. And the, if there's obviously people out there who don't know who he is, or I'm sure there is footage of it, um, just Google it. Neville Southall goalpost protest or whatever and he came out for the whole of the half time break and he just sat with his back and he just leant against the goalpost sat down and leant against the goalpost for the whole half time break almost in protest at what had happened in that first half and I think when he was interviewed after it years later he said I think he's, he said something like he was just he just wanted to get his head straight or something mm-hmm. I yeah thought, I saw that I'm, as well I'm not, yeah whether that was true or not I don't know but I've never ever seen anybody else, any player, do something like that. I can't think of anybody, and it was just—I don't know. It was just interesting whether it was a protest against how his team had performed, against the manager, whatever. I don't know, but I found it really interesting that he just thought, "I can't be doing with what's gone on here. I'm just going to go and sit out there, clear my head, and get ready for the second half." And I don't think many people would get away with it, but he probably could because of the personality he had. So mm-hmm. they're my kind of enduring images of him really and then coming back later in his career I remember he played for Bradford when he was in his 40s <laughs> and the goalkeeper and he turned up looking a bit overweight shall we say and a bit out of condition 
And again, I think back then Sky used to do play cam. I don't know if they still do it. I'm, I'm not interested in play cam, but it was the only time they ever did a goalie cam. And they did it on Neville <laughs> Southall because he was playing for Bradford because they, maybe they thought it might be comedy because he's a bit out of shape and he'll probably be rubbish. I don't know, but he wasn't. He still played. He was still great. But it's the only time they've ever did a goalie cam. Maybe because of because of the personality or whatever, but yeah, he's just a legend, wasn't he? He was. I mean, well, I to use the word legend. He, he really is a legend. There's no, there's never been a goalkeeper like him. There, there's always goalkeepers who've been a bit wacky, or whatever. But I wouldn't even say he was wacky. He was just very, very different and very comfortable in his own skin. Very single-minded, and he knew he had the ability to back it up. Yeah, just quality, quality. How about you? What do you what do you think of him? I mean, obviously he's an Everton player, and we all know how we feel about Everton at times. <laughs> putting that aside, yeah. I mean, come on, genius. So I think my earliest thoughts uh, and memories really are, are probably nothing to do with the with the football pitch. <laughs> so I've told you obviously that you know really I was by default a Liverpool fan initially. But didn't really get into uh, watching it until until I was a little bit older, and the earliest thing I can remember is just these silly kind of playground arguments about who had the best goalkeeper. You know, so the default Liverpool fans would be, you know, it's it's uh, Bruce Grobler, and the Everton fans would be, you know, no, oh, no, it's Neville Southall. And you'd just get into these, you know, these weren't sophisticated arguments. This was just, you know, no, this one's better, no, this one's better. And, you know, occasionally someone will say, uh, Jim Layton, and ah, shut up. You know, <laughs> so you go back back and forth to that. And we mentioned about the, the 86 FA Cup final. Of course, he didn't play in that. Do Do you remember Brucey Bonus question? Do you remember who played that day? No, I don't. So it's a chap called Bobby Mims. Do you oh, remember Bobby him? Mims, yeah, of course, Bobby Mims. I should have known that. Yeah, I do remember Bobby Mims. Yeah, so he was. I mean, he was a decent enough goalkeeper. Um, and later, he went on to play for for Blackburn, didn't he? But yeah, you know, he wasn't. He wasn't Southall. So, you know, I, I didn't see him that day. But as I, the more and more I started to watch, uh, you know, match of the day and, and the match, you know, yeah, the occasional Sunday Sunday games on and you see Southall, you know, and that, I'd, I'd said so many times that, you know, Grobler was the best best keeper in, in the league that I kind of believed it. Yeah. And the more I saw Everton, quite honestly, and hand on heart, I started thinking, hang about this this fellow's pretty good. And and actually, yeah. you know, I I did I don't know if I ever admitted it, but he he did sort of switch my mind around to to being like, No, this this guy's unbelievable. And and like you said about the agility and he, he doesn't look like uh he doesn't look like that gymnast type, does he? You know, but the shapes he'd get his body into. You know, yeah, for, if you look at some of the at some of the saves, it, it looks like the ball's past him. Yeah. You know, and sometimes when when a striker just connects with the ball in that real split second, your brain's saying this is a goal, and then somehow 
you know, like I say, ball appears to be past him. He'll squirm his body into a into a inhumanly <laughs> inhuman yeah. shape and and somehow save it. And uh, you know, through the latter part of the eighties and and into the early nineties, and even when so Everton was a bit of a decline in force um, as the eighties went on, and definitely into the nineties. But but he still kept at that level. Um, and I remember the the four all as well. Um, yeah, Daglish's last game, and and again, I just thought Southall was just unbelievable there. And I thought, you know, any other keeper, and we'd have run out, you know, seven four winners or something. But uh, he was just a, a an awesome keeper, and and I think probably certainly one of the best I've ever seen, if not the best. Absolutely. There's not many that I can think of that I would say are better than him. Just weren't, you know, for that for that long period as well. It wasn't like he did it for a couple of years. He did it for a long, long time. Like I said, in his he's playing for Bradford in the Premier League. Awesome. Yeah, and and we were talking about the the transfer window earlier today, and so he'd actually started out. I only found this out. You know, after he'd after he'd retired, essentially, but the route he came through, you know, he was, he was yeah. basically football mad, and um, you know, he played for various uh, like local local Welsh village sides, essentially, and then got yeah. got a move to a non league side. I think he ended up was it was it Berry, Berry, yeah, before he got his move to Everton. So he'd really come up, you know, through that grassroots system, and and he ends up, I, I again on top form. I, you can talk about the likes of, I mean, today you could say De Gea, um, Schmeichel, previously, um, Petr Cech, probably in in his top yeah. Chelsea form. You know, these are all great keepers, but I don't, I don't, I don't think any of them are necessarily any better than. Than Southall was. No, I'd agree with that. I don't. It's hard to compare, isn't it? Different era, but yeah, It'd be interesting to see him in the modern game. I still think he'd probably be the best out there. Just like I said, it's not just his ability. Just that that little something extra that you couldn't quite put your finger on. Yeah, but I'd have loved to have played in front of him. Loved as a defender, I'd have, I'd have loved it. Just brilliant. Well, he just. He just exudes confidence, doesn't he? And no, he does. You say about um, if he let one, you know, if he let a goal through his legs, he, he wouldn't care. I don't, I don't know if he wouldn't care. I think he'd beat himself up pretty badly about Absolutely. it internally, but he absolutely win. would not yeah. would not care less about what yeah. anyone else thinks. You know, yeah. his perfectionism would uh you know be the thing that he'd beat himself up <laughs> over and, and he'd make sure you know that that didn't happen again yeah i remember and i remember an interview with him when he wales were it's before that dreaded paul Bowden missed penalty so we think that's oh, yeah, yeah. yeah i remember the build-up to that game and he was doing an interview saying well even if we get to the world cup because i might not even go because i want to spend time with my daughter and he was adamant, saying he wasn't a wind-up. He was like, no, no, I might not. I might just bin it. <laughs> Pardon the pun. Uh, <laughs> was that uh, intentional? <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't. 
just for the, those the uneducated out there, his his book is called The Bin Man Chronicles. Um, and it, I think it's a bit self-deprecating, that title, but it's a, it is a brilliant read, so I'd recommend anybody read that. But, um, yeah, he was adamant. He kept saying, yeah, I might, I might not go to the World Cup because I've got, yeah, I think he had a young, very young daughter at the time he said i want to spend time with her i don't want to miss a month i was thinking nah come on nev even <laughs> 1958 the last world cup you're not going to miss that surely <laughs> i don't think he would have done but it was a nice wind up i got the impression from from his book that he that wales was a, at that time was not quite at, maybe at the level it is now you know in terms of just professionalism so you know it was uh, it was it was not a holiday maybe but just you know the pressure was off a little bit in comparison to to Everton I'm absolutely sure when he's on the pitch you know it's all uh, 100% serious but just the organization around it that's just the impression I got yeah you could be right oh my god it's a while since I've read it I can't remember that but yeah I think there's always been stories about Wales and the setup and how modern is it is it well structured I think now it is I think it has to be because obviously they've been years has been an element of more club mentality about it and Mm -hmm. not treating it as a proper international big deal and I think that's just because they're in a rut for so long to be honest and I think when when Nev was playing they were always in or around qualifying I remember, I remember back as far back as '86, when they lost to Scotland in a. I don't think it was a. I don't think it was a playoff, but I think they were in the same group, and I think Scotland had to get a draw in Wales, and Wales had to win, and it was a draw. I remember Wales gave away a late penalty, I think, and Scotland equalised. So Scotland went to the World Cup, and Wales didn't. Um, so they've always flirted with going, and then after sort of, Marin and Rush. All those players, they're in a rut for so long. It's taken that long to get out of it and get mm-hmm. the grassroots going and get the youngsters coming through, which is starting to happen. But, yeah, mate, you, you know, that's probably... I mean, he actually managed Wales very briefly for one game. Oh, I Yeah, I think he was caretaker for one game. Um, I think they lost... I think it was in... I can't remember who it was before. Um, before Gary Speed going back a while but yeah he managed them for one game he might have been after John Toshak had it again and he was only there like two games or something yeah I remember him suiting and booted on the pitch line and <laughs> I it was really imagine odd. that yeah no exactly um, and I think he, he'd have been a really interesting long term manager I think um, and, it's, and for me it's a shame he's not because I you know, follow him on Twitter and he's right on there he's brilliant some of the stuff he comes out with and says and he's got an opinion on everything. It's a it's a shame he's not a pundit. Well, he may do oh, a bit. Oh yeah, that is... you never see him on telly. It's, <laughs> it's a shame because for me he's like kind of. Like, I love watching Roy Keane because you just it's just says what he wants, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah, you can't you can't please him. And I think Neville Selfall's a bit like that. And I think you need more people like that to give their opinions. So it's a shame he's not involved in TV work where you could see him a bit more prominently. But yeah, what a bloke. Yeah, what a one off definitely. Yeah, so I mean the the whole the whole Binman Chronicles thing. So, I, and and I, I think I remember, you know, again just being a kid that 
you know, he used to get a fair bit of stick because he, he'd taken a job, you know, before he was a professional footballer, he, he did uh, a few things and, and one of them just happened to be uh, working as a bin man and, and probably that, you know, I, I don't remember it coming out in the papers, but someone's obviously broke that news and then, uh, um, you know, opposition football supporters being the empathic bunch that they are (laughs) probably played on that a bit but of course you know you gave him a bit of stick about doing a a working class you know working man's job so you know it's a little bit silly but uh you know again it's a it's quite neville southall isn't it that he's just taken that something that he's, he's got quite a lot of stick for and and named his book after it so <laughs> you know you just imagine him sort of uh you know writing down at home and having a little dry smile to himself you know absolutely Okay, so I think we'll wrap it up there. If you do like what you hear, please go ahead and click that subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And we really appreciate those five-star reviews or a go Lazo. And this will help other people just find the podcast in their searches. And of course, if you want to get in touch with us, you can get us at grassrootscoachcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at grootscoachcast. So if you want to give us a follow, drop us any questions or comments, that'd be great. So cheers, Ben. Do you want to play us out this week? So that's it for this week. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, Next week, we will be talking about the fun and games that come with coaching your own children. So thanks for listening. See you next week. Cheers. It might be 